Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night here at the Pepsi Center. Following a win, the fourth win in four preseason games, the Nuggets go 4-0 on this preseason trip. Not that the regular, not that the record really matters at all, but 4-0 is 4-0. They played reasonably well throughout this, po- throughout this preseason. To help me break it all down tonight at the Pepsi Center, it is our social media director, Jenna Garcia. Jenna, how are you doing? I'm awesome because the Nuggets are undefeated in the preseason. I don't care. I don't care what that means. I don't care if it means nothing. They're undefeated. Undefeated is undefeated, right? Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself, honestly. (laughs) Something the Broncos can't say. (laughs) Yeah. The Broncos game tonight. Don't want to get into that. This is the Nuggets podcast, but they looked awful so it's, it's really easy to, to multitask during a preseason game but either yes. way Nuggets win tonight against the Portland Trailblazers with the final score being it doesn't even really matter I didn't have it pulled up it was 110 to 104 the starters played for the first half then sat in the second half uh, did you have any takeaways from the starting unit today what, what do you think they looked like did they gel did they play did they play well together how did, how did you see that you know, I thought that the starters looked sloppy, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. There were some, just some things that you would have, I would have expected them to be proficient at at this point. And I would have said, like, as far as proficiency goes, uh, I thought there were some weak areas, including defense, but not just that. Just, like, even handling their cuts, knowing where they are. There was one turnover in the first quarter where... Um, I believe it was Tori Craig to Jamal, and Jamal was cutting, and they still don't have that, like, gel of, like, I know what you're doing, you know, I kind of know what you mean without right. knowing what you're mean, you know, what you're saying to me, at eye contact, that kind of subliminal messages sending, you know, because you played on the floor together, and I thought that they should have been better at that, seeing as this was Portland again. Like, how many times you got to see Portland before you know how to play against Portland? Well, Portland didn't have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and, and a lot of those guys, but you think it would have been it would have been a little bit easier for them to to defend these Blazers. Uh, I like you said, and I, I thought they were pretty sloppy tonight. I thought the defense was pretty sloppy, and you never want to see that when you introduce Tory Craig into the starting lineup because that's the guy who in the small forward competition, you want him there to elevate your defense. You want him there to be a competent uh, defensive playmaker. And and while while the Damian Lillards and CJ McCollum's weren't there for him to match up against, I still thought it was pretty notable that the Nuggets, they didn't really defend either spot, in either spot very well behind the, behind the three-point, excuse me, behind the three-point line and at the rim. So what were your takeaways with, with Tory Craig getting the starting nod tonight? 
You know, I like Tori in the starting lineup for the most part, but tonight, like I said, it just didn't seem to gel, and I'm not sure why that is, if it's just because they've been having to sit, you know, so often with the small forward. I can't wait for this conversation about small forward to be over. <laughs> Malone said it tonight in the post game. you know, it doesn't matter who starts at start for, starting for short small forward it's late for everybody here Um, don't 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 give us too much crap it doesn't matter who starts at the beginning of the season because that might not be the same person at the middle of the season or at the end of the season and that's true to form with malone who last year started wancho tory will i mean all kinds of guys in that position so i think that's the beauty of this team is that there's flexibility within those rotations but you really do need some like Fluidity. One big criticism last season was that the Nuggets are a slow starting kind of team. The first quarter always seemed to be slow, and then they finally get in their groove in the second quarter. I would really like to see a season where the first quarter and the first team comes out, boom, 10 points up. Okay, so we can relax a little bit in the second, you know? Be a team that dominates. And you kind of saw that against Phoenix. Uh, that, that The starting group there with Craig in the starting lineup, Jeremy Grant in the starting lineup, I thought that group looked very good. And I think there's something to do with the fact that Tory Craig and Paul Millsap don't really space the floor in congruence with each other. And, and Grant's an athletic guy who can get to the rim a little bit, but also space the floor behind the three-point line. Mm. Uh, slightly better than, than Paul at this stage in his career. So it's it's going to be an interesting conversation going into this because it, it seems like Paul is is slated to be the starting power forward like bar none mm-hmm. and Jeremy Grant is going to be the backup power forward so with that in mind i i think that there is definitely a benefit to splitting up Tory Craig's and Paul Millsap's minutes but you never know how it's going to go and we're going to find out a lot in this upcoming this upcoming stretch of games uh, nobody scored above 13 points tonight. Yeah. Uh, Will Barton looked very strong, though. He had 13 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Looked very strong. Uh, looked like the Will Barton of old, and I thought he played very well with the backup unit. I thought there were at times where there was maybe a little bit too much Will Barton. Like, it could have been a little bit more of a balancing point between him and, and Jeremy Grant or Malik Beasley or guys like that. But overall, I thought Barton did a great job of handling his duty. Yeah, I think Barton, you have to give him credit, too, on the lack of, like, he had one turnover, and how many assists? Four? or Yeah, he had four assists, one four turnover. Assists, one the, turnover. The team as a whole had only 11 turnovers tonight. That that wasn't the problem tonight. Not good enough for Malone. No? You, you think he wanted, like, seven or six? I do. I think that <laughs> he expects more from them, and, and unfortunately, I think Malone always wants this team to be just defensively minded and like defense first which is why I think Jeremy Grant is such a great addition to this team because if sure. you listen to Jeremy's post game interview all he keeps saying is we could really work on that defense we could really use some work on the defense we need to communicate more on defense and it's like all the things that you want that probably Malone wants to hear I know that I thought you know what I saw again defense communications Will Barton did look like he was back to his old self as far as like he wasn't hesitant. He was driving. He was doing Will Barton things. Uh, I don't know if his style of game is the perfect fit for that starting rotation. If the ball's constantly in his hands, you're taking the ball out of Nicola's hands. You're taking the ball out of, you know, working the rotation and trying it out in different, uh, trying out different plays. Sure. But Will Barton's a great guy to fall back on if the shot clock is running out and you can't get the play to run. Give it to Will and let him do some ISO. 
He's great at breaking his guy down one-on-one. I thought that he lost a lot of lift in those situations last year, but but this year he looks really good when he's when he's breaking down guys. He gets to the rim. He gets fouled very frequently. He only made two of his six free throws tonight, so I think on a normal night with Barton as focused as possible, he makes four, five, six of those, and his line looks even better. So This was one of my favorite things. The, foul, the fouls that were called... You already saw Malone and Nikola Jokic talking with the refs. Nikola didn't get in an argument with the ref, but he was telling the ref, like, hey, I'm getting hit in the face. And then Malone, too, like, getting his second <laughs> um, whatever challenge challenge yeah. correct. And um, he was, like, red in the face. And you're like, Malone, it's just preseason. I cannot wait <laughs> he, for he regular can't, season. He can't stop it. That's just that's just it's who just he is. Who that's he that's is, the exactly. guy, the kind of coach that he wants to be. <laughs> and you got to respect it because he's two for two on those challenges. He's been defending his guys. Looks great. He's, he's been, like, the, the challenge. I'm still a little bit hesitant on the actual challenge itself, but – but if it helps get the call the right, of it. yeah. If it helps yeah. get the call right, then you want that. You want you want teams to be able to feel like they were righted in that situation. But either way, uh, Barton did great. I thought he had a great lob and transition to Malik Beasley tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Malik Beasley himself didn't have a great night, other than that lob, which was was great. Don't get me wrong. He was one of seven from the field, two of eight total. One of seven from the field. He had two steals, two turnovers. I thought that there were definitely times where he was pressing a little bit, and you can understand why. That dude's fighting for a contract. And yep. this, like during these last few days, is the last period of time that he has before he can sign a rookie extension. So if you're in that situation, if you're Beasley, you want to put on as great of a show as possible. What do you mean by the last few days? For those of us who don't understand the contracts sure. in like the depth that you understand it, how many days do we have, we as Nuggets fans, mm-hmm. to see Malik on this team? Well, it's it's not necessarily like a, a countdown clock in terms of days that Malik is here. But the 2016 draft class, the one that Jamal Murray was a part of, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley... All of those guys are up for what's called a rookie extension. Mm-hmm. And the deadline to sign an extension and guarantee that you're in your city uh, before free agency the following summer is the day before the regular season starts. So the regular season starts on October 22nd this year, Tuesday, October 22nd. That means that the deadline is Monday, October 21st. Okay. Um, so you're saying that Malik... the that the Nuggets have until Monday yeah, to extend Malik. Malik and Wancho. And Wancho. Both of those guys but are... But they play through this whole season mm-hmm. with they, this team. They'll, they'll play. They're, they're on like a one-year deal right now. Uh, and it's not even necessarily a big deal if they don't come to a decision at this point because they still have restricted free agency to go through. Those guys, they, they still have a really good chance to retain those guys if that is what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um. However, it's it's always nice and it's in good faith if you give those guys an extension up front. Make sure that, hey, we have some security. We know that you want us here. And I think the Nuggets do definitely want both of those guys around. But as we saw earlier during training camp, Malik rejected a three-year, $30 million extension. That was uh, pretty well reported, I would say. Yes. And there there have been ongoing talks, of course, but... This is a this is an opportunity, or tonight was an opportunity for Malik to really show the Nuggets that hey, I could be one of the main people on this team 
who helps take this team deep into the playoffs this year. And I, I think that he kind of failed in that tonight. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that there was like a glimpse of him. I, th- I believe it was in that second half where I thought, oh, he's about to get going right after that dunk he got off the lob. Right. I thought, oh, he's about to get going. Let's see some threes. And we know what Malik is capable of, but tonight was not his best show. Which no, is unfortunate yeah. for for all of us who were here getting to watch them for the first time. Tonight wasn't Michael Porter Jr.'s best show. Right, yeah. That, of let's, all the preseason. Let's, let's talk about Michael Porter now because he did not suit up during the first half. He was not in that primary rotation of the 10 guys. You had Torrey Craig starting, Will Barton coming off the bench, and then the entire normal rotation beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was not involved in that. Watcher Hernan Gomez was not involved in that. In the third quarter, Wancho came in first in front of Michael Porter Jr. I don't know what to necessarily make of that, but that's the second time that that's happened in succession like that. So it's very possible that Michael Porter Jr. is just going to start this year fourth on the depth chart and and may not play at all. And that could be something that Malone is doing just because he's such a traditionalist when it comes to coaching. Mm -hmm. He believes guys earn their spots. I got to say, if I'm picking out of two guys... I see more upside in MPJ than in Wancho. I think yeah, I think bench. that's 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 pretty. I I I definitely agree with Despite you. Despite the fact yeah. that Wancho is the quote unquote veteran in that situation, I would say that MPJ one MPJ is your future. So why not give him more minutes? And I don't know. I guess we'll find out on Monday, huh? It, what what's going down with Wancho? And that the Monday deadline is just for bef- prior to when other teams can start contacting them, correct? No, it's the the Monday deadline is is prior to when this when the season starts officially. So, at that point all negotiations with the Nuggets and with Beasley and Wancho will cease. They cannot agree to an extension officially. Uh, other teams cannot start talking to those guys until next summer. So, it'll stop for every team. Yeah, and, and technically, like technically. you you always hear about the agents who are are communicating with and and with opposing teams and saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna gauge the market and see where these guys are. But you, to your point, if Porter is looking like your future, then it's really tough to see the Nuggets signing Wacho. It's tough to see them bringing him back if they play the same position, if they kind of fill the same sort of role on this team right now. Well, and like you, we've been talking about this small forward thing so much, and. It's been really a two-man race. Yeah. It's been Tori and it's been Will. They're the Wancho, only two who have been given opportunities, Wancho that's for sure. Wancho is definitely taking a back seat. Wancho is such a good locker room presence and and Jokic's best friend. But, like, do you – like, do the Nuggets keep him just because it would make Jokic happy? Do the Nuggets risk winning a champion? Like, that's business, right? You can't do that. You can't do something like that. But I could see them doing that. Which makes it such an interesting situation as a whole. I really hope that they don't use this preseason as their barometer or what a barometer of. <laughs> I don't know. You probably can Bar- say it both ways. Yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't. I didn't it stutter. Like, it's barometer. Barometer. That's that's okay. what I would say. Uh, it's not like pop and coke or something like that. <laughs> but you can say it different ways. <laughs> you mean like tomato, tomato, or bag and bag. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. But my point is, I really hope that they don't just take preseason into account because you didn't get to see that much Malik. 
Malik is a great player. He could really emerge if he was given the time on the floor with Jokic. Right. Even Monte. I mean, he he gets great reps with Monte too. But if you got some minutes with Jokic and you really gave Malik a chance, you could see Malik really become a star. In my opinion, of course, I also claimed that Malik would have the highest scoring game or whatever Adam asked me earlier. <laughs> Adam Aris decided to come around and, and interview some of the media members on who would have the highest scoring game. And Jenna, you, you seem to think that Malik could I have that potential. I think Malik could have that if you gave him the minutes to. So in order for that situation to happen, probably looking at somebody who's resting on a rest night, either for load management or injury purposes, uh, somebody else is out. So Malik is getting the minutes. Malik can drain when he gets when he gets hot. Yeah. So from way down, I mean, he remind his shot reminds me of Dame a lot when it's yeah. like from how deep he can go as far as his range goes. He has a great shot. So I really hope that's not the only thing they take into account. I am not like you and all this business about the contracts and everything. I don't always understand everything about it. Sure, but. I think it's a pretty clear, like, if you didn't have that locker room presence and he wasn't Jokic's best friend, you'd be cutting. Watch it. You'd be, you'd be trimming that loose end. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get into some more preseason takeaways as a whole. We'll give, and then we'll give some season predictions on where we think the season's going to go. Uh, look at the opening schedule a little bit because this is the first time that we can really take, take a look at that. So we will be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Denver Stiff Show. I'm here with Jenna Garcia. We're sitting in the bowels of Pepsi Center uh, on a couch, though, look, looking, having a grand old time. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk preseason takeaways. Bowels is a tough word. That's that, that's. That I know you're what, thinking that. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> that is what I was thinking. <laughs> and I was also thinking, sounds like bowel movement. And uh, yeah, exactly. Mean the same I, thing? I am officially uncomfortable <laughs> now. So, oh, I I have a child's <laughs> mind. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Who do you think was the best Nuggets player in this preseason? Gosh, it was so hard, really, I think, because of the hype around Michael Porter Jr. It was sure. so hard to pay attention to anybody else. At least for me, it felt like that was all I wanted to see. Is he f- fulfilling the hype? Is he fulfilling the hype? Is he fulfilling the hype? Personally, I'm really most excited about Jeremy Grant. Yeah, I think that's a really good pick. Jeremy Grant, he didn't have a great game tonight, but no. but he he has shown over the course of four preseason games exactly the kind of player that he can be, a versatile kind of Swiss Army knife player who uh, plays defense on the perimeter, blocks shots at the rim, runs in transition, uh, can shoot off the dribble. That was something that I was really impressed by with him too. Um, 
and the defense he brings to it too. It's yeah. not, he's a, a two-way player. And I was just thinking about this the other day, Ryan, and I was going to put it in the slack and I forgot because that's most of the time how my brain works. <laughs> but like, if you look at really successful teams, they have, it's not so much two superstars necessarily. The two superstars happen to be two-way players as well. Yeah. Like if you really look, look at the Clippers, you got two two-way players right there. Look at LeBron. LeBron is a two-way player. He's been successful. I mean, and obviously LeBron probably is the exception because he's always the exception to the rule. Well, he takes he takes a little break during the regular season, but when it, when it comes time when it comes time to lock up, he locks up. I just mean he doesn't necessarily have a second counterpart that's always a two-way player. Not always, but hey, Anthony Davis doesn't suck. He's no, okay. He doesn't suck. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would categorize him as a two-way player, though. I might be calling more of a offensive he, threat. You know, I, I actually, you think on an aside, I, I do agree with you. I think that there's been a lot made of Anthony Davis's defensive chops. And, like, a lot of people talk about him as defensive player of the year and whatnot, but I just didn't really see it with him. I don't think he impacts the, the defensive game as much as as much as people seem to think, but that's beside the point. Sure. Uh, if I were if I were to give a top preseason player, I would probably go with Paul Millsap. Mm. He's played really well in most of the games that he's suited up. He's been extremely efficient. He on five shots tonight. He shot four of five, two of two from the three point line, thirteen points, two steals today. Uh, just a a steady rock in terms of like what he. What he provides on a consistent basis isn't he always though? He, he is always. He's that's. It's going to be tough, miss like missing his steadiness in terms of like what he brings every single night. Because with Jamal, you get into some consistency issues. Gary has been up and down due to injury. Will Barton's been up and down due to injury. Jokic was kind of the main, the most consistent guy, but even he could get a little bit more consistent. Yeah, Jokic definitely has his moments of inconsistency too. Don't forget that Milwaukee game. I think it was last year that Memphis he, game. Memphis, yeah, both yeah. green, <laughs> both but, M's, mo- both M's. <laughs> it's something like that. Something like that. That's all but, right. <laughs> no, the Memphis has like a green. Oh, I'm thinking college. Here we go. Oh yeah, I see yeah. it. I see it. But anyways, Jokic had like two points in that game. There's times when Jokic doesn't feel like scoring, and it, it the difference with Jokic's consistency is like he can actually control it. Like he chooses yeah. when he wants to be hot or not. I think in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, where the other guys kind of are cold. And interesting point to make that Paul has been such a consistent rock because Jamal said in post game today that that's who he looks up to more than anyone on this team is that he looks to Paul. And he look and he watches Paul. He called himself out that he wasn't consistent tonight, you know. But even when Harrison mentioned, what about you know somebody like Steph Curry as far as like a guy that leads by example? Jamal said, "Yeah, I totally lead by example." But then he went back to, and I always follow what Paul does, you know. Like Paul leads by He's example a, too. So a great, a great person to take from. Like, Paul's got his... He's got his mind in order. He's got his priorities straight. He's so mature. Yeah, absolutely. On and off the court. Like, in all aspects. And while he's seen a lot, and and that's something that Jamal's just going to have to come to grips to, they're like... Paul's just seen way more of the world than than he has. Sure. Jamal is... He's still growing. And you want to see him eventually take that mantelpiece of best player... Uh, in in a preseason action where you just want him to to explode and and show what he can do, but in order to do that, he's going to have to continue to be consistent. He's going to have to grow as a facilitator, as a defender, like 
become a more consistent shooter. There are just so many avenues for him to get better. And that's what I think makes so many people excited about him. But overall, I think Paul was, was definitely the the preseason MVP, other than possibly Jeremy Grant. Yeah, Grant had a 22-point game. Yeah, that's. I think Don't that leads that the Nuggets. I think, yeah. I think that was the highest single game total for right. the Nuggets this preseason. We're over here predicting like 50-point games with Adam. Yeah, maybe. 22 is it, the highest. <laughs> Probably because they share the ball so much, and there's so much opportunities for everyone to kind of score a lot of unselfishness, which you've heard about this team kind of overall over the course of – multiple years now that this team is unselfish and willing to give and share the ball. You saw it even in MPJ tonight. He gave up a couple shots and yeah. passed them passed off. That was, that was a, a really mature move. Yeah. Uh, just making the right play. He was, he didn't have a great night scoring, but nope. I thought passing chops looked very good. He dished it off rebounds. to... Yeah, dished it off to Jared Vanderbilt, dished it off to Wancho. Like, I, th- I thought that he filled his role tonight pretty well. Um, Especially with the minutes he had. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard to be an impactful player in that limited period of time. But I think he does a pretty good job with it. So let's move on. I want to ask you probably about three or four main questions before we get out of here. Who do you think won the small forward position over this preseason? Who do you think was the best performer at small forward this year? Or this preseason? This preseason? Well, it's got to be Will Barton just because he had... More, it's between Will and Tori as far as the amount of opportunities that were given. Sure. So he, I, I'd have to say Will, he just took kind of com- command of it. He probably because he is more of a veteran, he's doesn't go out there and shy away from it. He's like, this is mine, yeah. and I'm going to take it. Yeah. And um, he did, in my opinion, he shut it down. He looked great. He he looked like he wanted it. He looked like this was the. Uh, this was the game for him to come out and really make an impression. And he certainly made an impression, I thought. Um, again, 13 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 turnover. That's a that's a wonderful stat line for somebody who's coming off the bench. And but, not your number 1 or 2 scorer. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think that it, it makes a difference that he was doing that with the bench and not with the starters, though? I think that it makes a difference in the sense that maybe in that unit, he was the number one scorer. He's the guy who Hmm. they're looking to get the ball to in more or who is taking over as far as, hey, I need the ball in my hands so I can score right now because he is in that second unit and he thinks, you know, he's the leader of that second unit in his mind. Um, This is one thing that I think about Jamal as well is that uh, Jamal – I think there are so many opportunities to he has to work the ball in to the play that oftentimes he isn't the principal number one scorer. Sure. He's not the person who the ball is going to in that play to get the to, to score, unfortunately. So sometimes, you know, we want to see Jamal take this leap offensively and be more consistent, but a lot of times that's not where the plays are going to. It's not to him necessarily in the first place. He's not the first option on that on a lot of the plays. It's and I think Will Barton isn't the first option in that first unit. And I think he's probably so yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think it makes a difference that he did it with the second unit. Who do you think's gonna start on opening night? Will Barton. Okay. Um I think I agree with you. I think that it makes the most sense to start Will. I think it would go a long way with the locker room to give the opportunity to Will first. 
he is the guy who they initially tab to be that guy to be the small forward of the not necessarily the future but like when they signed him to this contract last year they wanted him to be the small forward the starter yeah and he kind of botched that mostly due to injury but some some of it was possibly not a a great change of mentality when he wasn't the player who he was before the injury. You've so, got to imagine that's hard. Of course it is. It's of course. so hard to yeah. come back out and be like, this is what I used to be able to do. I want to do it. And in your mind, you've seen yourself do it. Your body, you know what it feels like when your body does it and your body's not doing it. That's got to be incredibly frustrating. He had a crappy attitude about it. But wouldn't you? I would. Uh, of course. I would for of sure. Of course. And, but the good thing is, is that it looks like his body's back. Yep. He's been doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, having a great time with that. Uh, I do I do think that he will be the starting small forward, and I do think that Tory Craig is going to be the backup. I don't know if I like that unit. Uh, it's it's Monte, it's Malik Beasley, it's Tory Craig, Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley. There's not a lot of spacing on that unit, so no, not at all. you have think, to. Uh, you don't think there's any gonna gonna be any like overlap though, like where it's like some of the starters come out and some of the bench comes in, and that where there's not so much like a full set second unit and a full set first unit, it's more of like a mesh or a flow. I think what he's going to try to do to start, and he did this last year too, was I think at the very beginning, he started basically with line substitutions, kind of like what he did today mm-hmm. with uh, with the most of the five starters playing together and then most of the five bench players playing together. And they yeah. were two distinct units. For it wasn't sure. wasn't a lot of blending going on. I think Malik Beasley carries over with the starters a little bit. I think Jeremy Grant will carry over with the starters a little bit. Uh, but we're and and Tory Craig probably if if he is going to be the backup, I think he'll get some opportunity there as well. But I think there will be opportunities with this second unit to kind of fail a little bit. Uh, with the group that they're probably going to throw out there. I definitely think that Michael Porter Jr. is the better fit with a five-man lineup of Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley. I think that unit fits better together. However, I could be wrong. We're going to have to see it in order for it to play out. Sure. You know, and one thing you said about um, Malone giving you this chance to will first, I think it'll go a long way as far as not losing will. I, I totally 100% agree with you. Because yeah. you if you don't start will right now, and you don't start, you know, like if you don't start Tori for, Tori will or will for Wancho or for even for MPJ, that you lose two guys mentally right there off the bat. Will's not playing for you anymore the rest of the season. He doesn't fa- have faith in you. He's out. Because you gave a starting position to somebody who really, like, and the, the beginning start of ga- stretch of games is pretty easy. Yeah. Honestly, it's a great time for Will to start. And if they want to try out different rotations and different starters in that position, it wouldn't kill them. You know, you got the Suns, you got the Knicks, you got the Mavericks, the Pelicans, Magic, Heat. Really, until, like, November 8th, you don't see a, a decent team on the floor. I was going to talk to you about that because I think let's let's get into that opening schedule. Like you said, we, we start – the Nuggets start with Portland. and They start on the road, and that's going to be a tough game, of course. It's on mm-hmm. national TV. That's kind of a coin flip They game. are so trying to make a big rivalry out of this Portland Nuggets thing. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm here for it. I, I, I like it. I think rivalries are good. I love it. I think you want But a, without Ennis Cantor – 
oh, how are they going to survive? How will there be a rivalry if no one's subtweeting everything? Nurkic will be, he'll be, he'll be talking at the end of the bench. That's That's, true. That's something that he is is very good at doing. Uh, But you've got Portland, then you've got Phoenix and Sacramento and Dallas and New Orleans. Those are four straight teams that didn't make the playoffs. And then the next two are... Although New Orleans is a pretty different team. They're they're different, but they're also new. New, yeah. They're 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 going to have some troubles getting together, but that's a game that they could of course that the Nuggets could of course lose. Um, the Magic and the Heat. The Magic are a good team. The Heat are a good team. They're not the caliber of team that Denver is, though. No. And if you're if you're looking to start off at a hot start, if that's your goal, if your goal is eight and two or nine and one in the first ten games, those are games you got to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can drop at Portland. You can drop the the Philadelphia game in a tough matchup against what I think is probably the team that's going to come out against of the Eastern Conference and be the Eastern Conference champion. Oh, he's calling it now. I, I'm calling it now. I think <laughs> that they're going to be really, really, really good. Uh, you could probably drop one of New Orleans or Orlando if you don't drop any of those other two other of the uh, those other like general games, sure. but. You can't, like, if you're going to be a team that wants to be the one seed or that wants to just kind of flex your muscles and say, hey, look, we're better than you and we know that we're better than you and we're going to go prove it, those are games they got to win. Sure. Yeah, and I think Malone has said it a few times in this preseason just about how they need to take every game seriously, make create every game, take every game with the mindset of, like, this leads to playoffs. Mm-hmm. We're playing for the playoffs now, not later. Um and I appreciate Malone's such like a hard work first kind of guy. Like he's not necessarily starting you because you're the most talented. He's starting you because you're the hard, hardest working or you're the best fit for the team. He's always team first, hard work first. And honestly, like I appreciate that mindset that he's going into every game. But you're, like you said, there are a few of those that you could drop because those guys, those teams are pretty good teams. Right. And maybe have, you know, a, a good flow and consistency, and they have figured out what their starting five looks like a little bit better than because of the depth of the Nuggets than the Nuggets have. But you also have a little wiggle room there to try out a few lineups. You know, uh, Malone has said maybe against L.A., against the Lakers, this person starts because they fit better. Maybe Grant starts with Paul Millsap as that small forward position in certain defensive roles that they need. And so, you know, it could be really interesting and I like the fluidity of it. I think that helps the team just like last year with every, that position being kind of rotated through all the different guys. I think it made them all feel like, Hey, I'm important. I started. Yes. Wancho felt like he was important and he started like a handful of games and then didn't play for most of the season. Right. And it wasn't because of mono this time, like whatever, you know, and Tori ends up starting in the playoffs and it's like, hey, I'm important. That's what you need for your team chemistry to be like, each of us is important. And I think Malone has that chemistry and that kind of culture amongst those guys. Totally hear you. I think that a team like Philly or a team like Orlando, they've they've got some really tall forwards. They've got some guys that I think Jeremy Grant matches up really well with. So mm-hmm. there are opportunities to start trying those lineups. Uh, with that in mind, let's get into some season predictions. Who do you think leads the Nuggets in scoring this year? Jokic. Do you think it's Jokic? I think it's still Jokic. I think he's the bread and butter of this team. You know, you can't have a good game without Jokic. Um, you can have a few here and there where Jamal will go off, but I think expecting to Jam- Jamal to take the leap of 
outscoring Jokic each game is kind of ridiculous, especially since Jokic is like a foot away from the basket and like inches when he lifts his arms. <laughs> so it's just like Jamal, where Jamal shooting from Agreed. is farther away. So uh, I think it'll be Jokic easily. For what it's worth, I also have Jokic. I think that, like you said, he's he's a guy that they're going to count on night in, night out. And I think that's that's important when you're talking about a top 10 player. I think he's going to continue averaging about 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just kind of how it's going to be for the rest of his career. And if Jamal can eclipse 20 points per game, then more power to him because he's probably having a pretty dang good year. Hey, he um, had 18, averaged 18 two years ago. Yeah, it's possible. So could, I, I would expect him to take a little leap. I would say Jamal could sit around that 20 range too. Yeah, they may be going back and forth with it. games do you think this team is going to win? Oh gosh, I hate this number, this question. <laughs> How many did they win last year? They won, so they won, 50, they won 54. 54. Uh, they were 54 and 28. Oh, I was thinking of a different stat that uh, Dempsey put up 73 games of some, with certain number of turnovers today. So <laughs> I hope they win 73 my... games. That'll be cool. <laughs> uh, so you said how many? 54? They were at 54 last year. I would guess that they stay about 50. I'm going to go with 55. Okay, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, West got stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, the Lakers are better. The Clippers are better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warriors are worse, but that's not necessarily like a big factor. And the, a lot of these teams, Utah got better. There's a lot of Utah teams that are around the same. Yeah. No one's talking about Utah. Utah got really good in the offseason. I mean, much better. They I think improved. That, I think there is a chance for them to like fail in their expectations a little bit. Sure. Like, there are a lot of people that think they could be a top two seed, and I think that that's fine. But they also might just win 53 games and be behind the Nuggets, and the Nuggets are winning 55, like you said. I think I, I predict the Nuggets it? for 58. Really? Yeah, it's pretty aggressive. That would be such a weird end to the season to have the Nuggets in the one seed and Utah in the two seed. No LA team. Hilarious. That would be crazy. I'm I'm so ready for it. Small market win. So ready for it. (laughs) That'd be crazy. That would be really wild. Yeah. Uh, How far do you think this team can go with their current roster? Do you think that they have the chops to take on some of these LA teams uh, with with the the star power that those groups have right now? You've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, do the Nuggets have what it takes to match up with them? I think if you're thinking about current star power. You would your answer would be an easy no, but there was a moment in time when Kawhi wasn't a star. Yeah, when he was a role player on the Spurs. Yeah, and he emerged during a finals, during a playoff run for those the Spurs. That and he probably was showing glimpses of it to those who followed that team closely all throughout the season, and no one was believing him. And he became a star during that playoff run. And I think that it's hard to say, like, because a lot of people don't respect. I think a lot of people overly respect Jamal when he hasn't really proven him necessarily proven himself yet. A lot of people consider Jamal a big star. I think Jamal has the potential to do that this year. I think Gary has the potential to do it. I think Malik, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Malik, obviously. (laughs) I feel like all I do is keep praising him. But I just don't feel like he got really a chance in this preseason. Um but I think Malik has a chance to become a big star. I think that this team can battle with those LA teams. And I honestly don't think that the Lakers got much better. Wow. 
I don't. I yeah. I think Anthony Davis is a phenomenal shooter, but I think he's weak on defense, and I think that he is incredibly injury prone. And I Fragile. don't think, yeah, I don't think that that's like a hot take over here. Yeah, yeah, like, he already hurt his thumb. Right, like, that's, I feel that's a like thing that happened. That's not a great sign, and I don't. And I feel like LeBron's age is catching up to him. Despite, I mean, probably the most fit person. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He did like a whole pre a pregame workout in the back hallway last year before he got on the floor and yeah. played against the Nuggets last year. So very fit person. This is not a, a dog or a negative thing about LeBron, but I do think his age is getting up there and he's going to, there's going to be a toll on him where he cannot carry the team as much as he has in the past, which is why he went out and got a guy like Anthony Davis. You should have got something uh, like, that's like buying, I don't know, fiber not fiberglass, that's pretty strong. That's like buying plastic <laughs> instead of buying glass, you know, or like yeah. something that's a little more breakable instead of, and, and I don't think that you're going to be able to count on Anthony Davis. And I don't really think they have a lot of great pieces around them. So I don't oh, think the Lakers don't. got much better yeah. just because they I, got I think Davis. that's a, that's a hot take that I kind of believe that the Lakers may miss the playoffs again this year. Whoa. And a lot of it would have to do with Anthony Davis being injured. If he has nagging injuries, if they're forced to rely again on Kyle Kuzma and JaVale McGee and like Dwight Howard, like <laughs> that's not that's not a great sign. Like the, I know I know they have a lot of other like pieces that can contribute around LeBron, but take away one of those guys and it looks just a little bit more difficult. So yep. and the, the West is so stacked. So yep. I think if if I were to peg the Nugget season right now, I think I have them going to the Western Conference Finals. So that means that if they advance through two series, they have to play at least one of those Los Angeles teams unless they get lucky. Right, um, like last year. Right? They they got lucky last year. They only faced San Antonio and Portland. They probably should have won against Portland. Um, Portland's being nice. Yeah, yeah they, they should have won against Portland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're going to see what happens. I think that they're going to go pretty far. That's That is my take. It's a lot of other people's take as well. This team is really damn good. Yeah. There are a lot of pieces to the point where we couldn't really pick a preseason MVP because a lot of guys are just throwing out balanced contributions all over the place. Yeah, I mean, look at this game tonight. You win, get the win, and nobody scores more than 13 points. Yeah. Two players score 13, and nobody's more than 13. That's crazy. And that does I mean, you had like a few players who were 11. I think you had a 10, you know, somebody who scored 10. Uh, 12, Mason Plumley had 12, um, or no, Monte Morris had 12, and Jokic had 11. I mean, it's just all dispersed. It's so evenly spread across, you know, the depth. Everybody scored tonight. Yeah. Like, all, all of these guys are competent players, and if the Nuggets sustain an injury, then I think they're going to be fine. If they sustain two, even two injuries, then I think that they're probably going to be fine. Like, they have so many different options and so many different pieces that they can go to that I think is going to help them get through this season. They're going to be pretty strong, and then they're going to turn it on in the playoffs. So, Not to be devil's advocate, but don't you think what people are saying about Utah could be also said about the Nuggets? Sure, but they don't have the depth that the Nuggets do. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have five really strong players. They've got Conley, Mitchell... Uh, Ingles, uh, Royce O'Neal. Okay, they've got six. They've got Royce O'Neal. They've got Rudy Gobert. They've got Boyan Bogdanovich. But beyond that, like they're relying on Emmanuel Moutier or 
Dante Exum as their backup guard. Sure. They're relying on Jeff Green as their other backup forward. Like, Ed Davis? That doesn't really scare anybody at all. So I think that there is definitely potential, like, even for them, they get one injury, then they could go down. Yeah. Absolutely. So, either way, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Do you have any parting statements before we before we get out of here? Um, I was so excited about this game, <laughs> and I'm still so excited for Nugget season, and I'm so excited to be doing this pod with you. Like, it's going to be really fun, and definitely go follow all of our social media. Absolutely. Um, at Denver Stiffs on Twitter, Instagram, our Instagram. It has a bunch of fun things that go up, like graphics and pregame video, and of course on Twitter to check out if this proceeds with the lack of television broadcast, you get at least a little clip here and there from coaches and players of what they're saying after the game. We're excited about it. It's going to be fun. She is Jenna Garcia at Vida Viva 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 Diva. Diva. That's the one. (laughs) At Vida Viva Diva. I am Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. We will see you guys next week. (laughs) 